You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, this is the Roof English Podcast. My name is Darren Adam. Thank you as ever for your company and welcome to a new edition of The Week in Iceland, which is a strand that continues within the new Roof English Podcast service. And my guest today is Andy Sophia Fontaine, who is, I think it's fair to say, Andy, a familiar face uh, for for Icelandophiles or, or Icelands, we know those who <laughs> those who maybe watch the country from afar. Yes, because you've been here a long time and you've been mm. writing about and reporting on the country for a long time, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen. Thank you very much for being a guest today. We will talk about your YouTube channel, which you've sure. just set up, I think, or the, the, that is correct. The, Last the week, new show on it. We'll, we'll get to that during the conversation, but let's discuss what's been happening in the country first. The Epling and SA dispute continues. Mm. We're a couple of days away as things stand, as we sit here on Monday morning having this conversation, a couple of days away from that lockout beginning, the work ban beginning. It does seem to be heading that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Like um, Solegana, the, the chair of Epling, and and um, and Benjamin, were, uh, who was the director of SA, were on Patborith, on Stotva, talking about matters over the weekend, and they didn't agree on a lot of things. No. But one thing that did give a little ray of hope is they could agree at least that if the state arbiter said, hey, I've got a new deal for you, mm. that they would at least, yes, they would meet with him. So, And he is... He has said that he is indeed working on a yeah. new deal. Well, we recorded a special podcast episode last Wednesday or Thursday, I think it was, trying to just pause for a moment and grasp the state of this story as it was then. Of course, there are yes. so many developments. And the, the point a couple of weeks ago, it's only a couple of, it's not even a couple of weeks ago, where things looked a lot more hopeful mm -hmm. when the chair of Epling was in negotiations with the chair of SA as opposed to the director of SA. And it did seem briefly, there was a photo of them having a chat around the water cooler in the yes. office of the state mediator. <laughs> Those brief, briefly hopeful days seem like a long time ago, don't they? They sure do. Yeah, They sure do. And um, I was actually pretty happy to see um, reporting on, on Groove that the lockout um, is going to have a greater impact than the strikes would have. For sure. I mean, we are talking about 20,000 workers suddenly not working. Yeah. And and let's just set that in context. That is 20,000 workers in a country with a population of 360,000. So that is a sizable, measurable chunk of the workforce mm -hmm. being taken out of play. And what's interesting is we don't yet know to what extent that chimes with the wishes of those 20,000, because the case that SA have been making, I'm not taking a view on this at all, but mm -hmm. SA make the case that most Epling workers don't want to be on strike. Well, I come from a union family myself. Mm. My dad was a union organizer. His dad was a union organizer. And one of the first things he taught me is that the last thing that a union ever wants is a strike. Yeah. Because it, they never look good when they go on strike, that this is the last straw. So I wouldn't be surprised if workers don't want to go on strike because... Unions don't want to go on yeah. strike either, typically. But for 20,000 workers to be taken out of the uh, equation is obviously going to be very, very damaging for businesses. And this is what a lot of people are really puzzled about, is mm -hmm. that, you know, is this a bluff? Is this a nuclear option? Well, why would businesses want to deny themselves uh, the labour 
of 20,000 people. And as you as you rightly say, the impact of the, the Epling, sorry, the SA work ban, if you will, the lockout, is obviously going to be greater mm-hmm. than the strikes taken by Epling so far because the numbers are so much greater. Yes, for sure. I mean, the banter that's been going around <laughs> is that the um, the lockout is a tactical move, yeah. that it's to drain the fund, the labor funds from the union to make them think twice about or possibly even prevent them from taking future actions. It's going to take a while to refill those coffers, which is why Solvegana mm. has taken this hardline stance that they're absolutely not going to be paying these workers during this time, which is itself, I recognize, a controversial decision. Yeah. But I wouldn't like to be in her position. No, and I think uh, this 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 may have changed or may change, but certainly the vice chair of Epling had taken mm-hmm. a different view Absolutely. On whether that strike fund, that labor fund should be, or the labor dispute fund should be used to pay the Epling workers that would be essentially forced to be on strike. Mm-hmm. So this is not a story in summary that gets any less complicated no. <laughs> as time goes on, is it? What's your sense of where this goes? Best guess. Mm. I won't hold you. I won't play the tape back or anything in a couple of weeks, but what's your hunch? My hunch is that. Um, Neither one of these people, neither S.A. nor Epling, want to strike nor lockout. Um, that they will come to some sort of agreement. Um, it'll most likely be temporary. Mm. Like um, I could see a one-year contract happening, perhaps two years. Um, and I, I think that would be, be the most sensible option considering the rate of inflation. At the moment, you don't want to lock yourself into a long-term contract mm. when inflation is still... I know things have calmed down a bit inflation-wise, but... At the very least, like we saw this a couple of years ago, like the day before Wow Air went bankrupt, there was an impending strike and it looked like it was going to be massive and then it was called off mm. a couple of days before Wow Air went under. So in a nutshell, I think neither one of these parties want a lockout or a strike. And I think that if um, the state arbiter puts something before them that they can both hold their noses and agree to that they'll do that. Well, let's see it. A story, of course, that we shall revisit with every twist and turn. Absolutely. Um, a story from last week, and I suppose the, the great news here is that only two people sustained only minor injuries, mm-hmm. but it was a big fire. This was the Arctic fish site, actually still under construction in Tolknafjörður. Uh The fire breaking out on the 23rd, so in the middle of last week, and a, a significant presence in the town, of course. Yeah, for sure. I don't know how the demogra- demographics of Telknafjotar have changed, but um, they have a significant immigrant population there, from what I understand. Like, it's it's not a very large village, and a large portion of them are immigrants. And in places like this, there's often, like, one major employer. Mm. You know, like I had visited Valtnafjotar some years ago, and I was surprised just how many people worked at the HB Grandi uh, fish processing plant there. Yeah. So I think, as you say, like, fortunately, there were just two injuries and they weren't very serious. But I think what's going to be, like, more impactful is the the emotional damage that, like, mm. a brand new employer or at least a new place to work yeah. um, being set back like that. Well, the business development manager of the company, Arctic Fish, said that uh, this is Daniel Jakobsen. Uh, saying the total cost of the building that was under construction estimated at 4 billion kroner. Naturally, he says, it's not finished. Not all the equipment's gone into it yet. So it's very difficult to say at this stage what the extent of the damage is. And presumably Mm. that 
that's a picture that's going to become clearer and will be becoming clearer right now when they, they work out exactly what's happened here. Yes. But, um, yeah, a very unfortunate event in, in a beautiful part of the country. And, 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 again, could have been worse because this building sits between two others. So this could have spread and, and, and tremendous work uh, from the fire chief and the fire brigade, not just in, in Tolknafjörður, but in Patricksfjörður as well. Uh, OK, let's move on to the cost of living, not entirely unrelated to our first story, I suppose, as we talk about those wage disputes. This is the Competition mm. Authority in Iceland saying that and this, <laughs> I can't believe this is news. Breaking news. Taxes are high <laughs> in Iceland compared with elsewhere. Who knew? I'm shocked. <laughs> Absolutely floored. It's while you're sitting down, isn't it, really, <laughs> yes. for that revelation. Um, but they also say that despite despite that and despite the fact that oil companies are profiting more than a year ago mm-hmm. competition laws don't appear to be broken here so there's there's nothing illegal going on yeah I, that definitely rose an eyebrow for me i'm yeah. um, seeing that like their their share of the leader has more than doubled since last may yes that's um like i could understand like i know that there's an energy crisis in europe i know that inflation's a thing but you would expect that oil companies then would not raise the share that they're taking out of leaders. Mm. It's bringing to mind echoes of 2005 when there was um, this major conspiracy, this price-fixing conspiracy that came to light mm. between the three major oil companies at the time in Iceland. It just came to light that they were pretty much dividing up the country amongst themselves. Like, okay, you can have gas stations here and we'll take gas stations there. And they were price-fixing and it was a major thing. Mm. Now, I don't I'm not implying that that's what's happening here, but it's it is a little bit of a slap in the face to see like we're all struggling, mm. right? We're supposedly all in this together, and oil companies are taking an even greater share for themselves. Yeah, oil companies taking around seventy krona from each liter, uh, which compares with around thirty from last May. Last so, May. Yeah, yeah. So the share the share they're taking has gone up, but the actual. The, the quantity of money that they're taking has gone up as well. And I was back in the UK unexpectedly um, for much of last week, and I was filling up at £1.48 per litre. Mm. Uh, and the cheapest I've seen petrol here is 301 krona. So if you do the do the sums in your head, um, Iceland is still paying as much or more than the UK, which is famously a very expensive place to buy fuel as well. The Competition Authority saying that prices and taxes on groceries and fuel high mm. by comparison with other countries, but no clear indications of a violation of the competition laws. Um, another story which is related to this is this food portal, so-called, which is opening, which is the government's attempt to uh, let people access price transparency mm-hmm. um, opening in the coming weeks. And it will allow people to follow the prices of the main products sold in the largest grocery stores across the country. Is that is that going to drive prices down, do you think, if consumers are empowered in that way? I would hope so. <laughs> I would certainly hope so. I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried doing this, but if you go into a grocery store and start taking photos of the prices or writing them down, Somebody will approach you and tell you to stop it. I've never done that. Yeah. I- I'm going to see if that's true. <laughs> I have no reason to disbelieve you. Have you done that? Yes. Okay. Yes, what I happened? have. Was um, that here or, or elsewhere? It was here. Okay. Um, I'm not going to name the, the supermarket, okay. but like I was approached by an employee and told to stop doing it. And I said, why? And they said, it's not allowed. <laughs> and I, you know, you're, de- you're dealing with like a 16-year-old kid who was probably sent by their boss yes. to talk to me. And 
this kid doesn't want to be in this situation any more than I do. Absolutely. So instead of arguing with him, I just said, okay. And I put away my pen and paper. Yes. So I don't know. I hope that this, like being able to see what the prices are like at every store at a glance does empower yes. consumers and does drive down prices. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what tends to happen anyways. I just, and you're right to point to the, to the young guy that was, that was serving that day, you know, not wanting to be in the situation any more than you were. But I'm curious <laughs> as to which rule you had apparently broken. Copyright rules, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they thought I was an agent from a competing supermarket. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> well, now there is no need for such chicanery. Thank you to the food portal. <laughs> Um, for that. Right, let's um, let's talk about Iceland Airwaves. We had the festival director, mm. EC, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, 23rd year, I think, for Airwaves. Sounds in, about in, right. In, in, we might have to recalculate that in the light of COVID, but 23 or 24 performances or sets of performances in the city centre. Um, and this is a notable festival for a number of reasons. Firstly, it is not a festival that takes place outside in a field because particularly in November, that wouldn't be a particularly wise thing to happen in, in Iceland. So no. it, it makes use of the no. venues in the city centre, doesn't it? Yes. I, th- I mean, considering how the weather can be any day of the year, <laughs> having these in- indoors as opposed to like a, a giant field, yeah. like it's, it's not Glastonbury, is it? I have been, we have been coming to Iceland since 1998, and I am ashamed to admit we have never been here at the time of airwaves. I don't really? know why. I'd have to look back and see what, I mean, we've not been avoiding it, we've just mm. not been here at the start of November uh, to, to take part in airwaves. Have you attended over the years? Many times. Many times. Yes, Many I've times. covered airwaves on a number of occasions. Mm. Um, and I would highly recommend... Um, you're getting the program. Um, not and not. Don't just look for bands that you're familiar with. Like they'll have like artist profiles on the mm. page. Like look for artists that like seem interesting to you that you've never heard of. You know, and pop into those venues. Don't be afraid to just like go from place to place yeah. if you get the bracelet. You don't have to sit in a chair for nine hours in a single <laughs> venue. Don't recommend that. It's interesting too, as we touched on that. Airwaves makes use of existing venues and, and all kinds of spaces. I mean, the city does come alive and it is turned into one giant concert hall in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any particular memories that stand out from yeah. from the last however many years? Or Maybe if you remember it, you weren't doing it right, as they <laughs> said about Woodstock, I think. No, I remember um, <laughs> there was a hip-hop night at Gökuren mm. in 2005, um, was absolutely extraordinary because um, my my editor at the time um, was a very clever man who um, deliberately sent people to events that were the exact opposite of where they wanted to go. Okay. And I had zero interest in Icelandic hip-hop. I mean, I like hip-hop from other parts of the world, but at the time I didn't have any interest in Icelandic hip-hop. And so he was like, you're going to Icelandic hip-hop night at Gaikurin. Could you speak the language at this point? Yes. Okay, because it is a very linguistic it is. form of music. Um, and so I just rolled my eyes and was like, yes, sir, and went to the venue. <laughs> and I had an amazing time. Yeah. I had an absolutely amazing time. I saw a lot of people that are considered like pioneers of the genre in Iceland today. And it was really amazing. It's, and I made some friends that night too, mm-hmm. which is another really great thing about Airwaves. Like talk to people in line. Yeah. Talk to people yeah. at the bar. You never know who you might run into. Mm. 
Well, the acts for 2023, the first acts at least uh, for this year's festival, taking place in the centre of the city between the 2nd and 4th of November, including Yard Act, Balming Tiger, Blanchel, Trent Muller, uh, Fetish, Love and Joy, Nana, Club Dub, any of these ringing a bell with you? Nope. <laughs> well, that's the joy of airwaves, isn't <laughs> exactly. it? Exactly. You'll be familiar with all of them by by the fifth day of November Precisely. this year, it seems. Yeah. Um, from memory, Iceland Airwaves, Punteris, Icelandairwaves.is is where you'll find out more uh, about those editions and various others. Right, we stick with music. Inevitably, mm-hmm. uh, because at the weekend, the uh, final five songs to go forward and compete for the right to represent Europe, uh, Iceland at the Eurovision Song Contest yes. um, became known. And a wild card was chucked in, of course. The song by Celebs from the first round was added to the, the two songs that were voted on um, by the Icelandic nation. So we've got the final five now. In the interests of scrupulous fairness, we will not discuss any of those songs in particular. No. But take a very broad view on this, Andy. Do you think there's a winner there? Is this Iceland's year, do you think? <sighs> could be. It, yeah, it could always could be. <laughs> Couldn't it? I mean, it really depends on, w- on what the competition is. Mm. I have to see um, the songs from the other countries as well. Um, and I have to say, as someone from the United States, like would never heard of Eurovision. Yes. Until I moved here, like this is a phenomenon. I've gotten used to a lot of things. I've integrated <laughs> very well. I've I've been able to like accept the most exotic aspects of not just living in Iceland, but living in the European society. Yeah. Eurovision is still something that I'm I'm trying to get my head around, like what the draw is exactly, mm. and it's but it can be a very magical experience what i like the most is the social aspect of everyone getting together with drinks and snacks and having a great old time whether the songs are um up to par or not like they're always it's always a very fun time yeah it's always a very fun it's very camp it's very over the top and it's always a tremendous spectacle it's it's a lot of fun. Even if I don't fully understand it, I don't have to understand well, it. Well, this is a fantastically diplomatic answer, which is, <laughs> which is unfolding. I'm enjoying it very much indeed, I have to say. Um, I, I think from the five songs, which yes. will go forward to the to the final of Song for Kevin uh, this Saturday, there is lots there for people to choose from. Mm. And there's a wide range of different styles of music. So... Uh, I think it'll be a very interesting final. I think that um, the, the, there are five great songs. We're going to play out today with with three of them. So the two that won or the two that went forward to the final from Saturday and also Celebs, which was added into the wild card. So we'll get to that in just a few moments' time. But it sounds then like you are you're certainly here for the social aspects of Eurovision, oh, the partying and all the rest of it. Absolutely that. And also, like, every year I always have one act that ends up sticking in my mind. Mm. Um, and to this day, the, the Eurovision act that I think sticks out most in my mind is um, Ukraine, 2007. Mm. Oh, not, not the winning song from last year, but Ukraine no, no. from 2007. Why that one? It was just amazing in every single way. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I can't explain it. It's just like this, song, this performance came on and like I sat up, my eyes lit up. I was enraptured and I was just amazed that this song did not go forward. And especially in light of current events, yes. I think back to this song and the controversy it caused at the time in 2007. And it's extraordinary. Every year, there's always some act that like really 
takes me by surprise and I, I find incredibly enjoyable. It's... Well, the, the song that sticks in my mind, he said patriotically, is in <laughs> fact um, one of the Icelandic entries from the last few years, from Hattari. Oh, yes. Um, which I, I mean, all the fuss around that, the image and the very striking visuals and the whole package, strip it down to the song. That's a damn good record, apart from anything yeah, else. Absolutely. And, and then the, the joy of it, so you've got this this very kind of industrial sort of uh, late 80s Depeche Mode style mm-hmm. electronica, which is what it was built on, a fantastic production. And then as that nod to Eurovision, there's a key change <laughs> 45 seconds no. before the end. <laughs> Got to have the key change. So I, I thought it was essentially perfect, the whole thing. <laughs> and I was, you know, I was delighted it did as well as it did. But I really thought that Iceland had a chance of their first victory that particular year. And then, of course, came Daddy, who was the spiritual winner and robbed by COVID. Yes, so, so very unfortunately. So maybe among the five, and I'll let you hear three of them. The reason it's three is we played the other two last week, and this is all done in the interest of scrupulous fairness. Uh, and, of course, you can find all the five remaining songs online as well if you want to listen to those in more detail. We'll stick the link into the article here. So we'll finish with those in a few minutes. But, Andy, tell me about your new YouTube um, channel and, and the yes. work that you're seeking to do. It is called the Reykjavik News Desk, mm-hmm. and it airs every Monday and every Friday. So there's a new video dropping this afternoon. And it's basically the news from all over Iceland. Um, I've been a reporter since 2003, and I love reporting on Icelandic news. I love giving the background and the context about why it matters that this person said that thing at that time. It's a fascinating country. And my goal here is to bring people the news, whether they've been living here their whole lives or they just literally found out today that Iceland's a country, that they'll can get up to speed on current events. And um, while I can't promise that I won't be opinionated and how I give this news, I hope at least to be entertaining and educational. Okay. So remind me where we can find that. That's at Reykjavik News Desk on YouTube. It's a YouTube channel. So just by searching for that, you can be yes. you can be in touch with Reykjavik that. News Desk. Fantastic. And I will see you there. Well, your many fans will be delighted to see you returning, not to the, not to the airwaves. We need a, a more modern term than airwaves. To the information superhighway. Even that sounds <laughs> like we're really old when we say that. Well, we'll have, we'll have to revise that, I think, in return to it at some point, won't we, Andy, without question. Um, Andy, thank you very much indeed. Delighted to talk to you today. Great to meet you because it, what, the other thing that surprises yes. me and you is that we've never met before. Exactly. Which is really strange. So now it's that's incredible. rectified. Andy, thank you very much indeed. I've no doubt we shall talk again. This is the Ruve English podcast, and you can, of course, get in touch with Ruve English anytime. Just email english at ruv.is. So we are going to play out then with three songs, which also, together with last week's two, have a chance of becoming the Icelandic entry for the Eurovision Song Contest. Let's start by listening to Langi Seli or Skuganir and OK. So we're up here.
OK is one of the three songs that we discovered on Saturday is going to proceed to the final of Song by Kepnanin. Let's listen to the second and then we'll play again the wildcard selection from the first semi-final in a few moments' time from Celebs. But let's listen to Siga Osk. And in English, this is Dancing Lonely. In Icelandic, Glema der Ogdansa. After Stjörnu himin og bara við tvö Brotin hjörtu, þóknu tár Hjöltan tímin að laga vel sár Reykjavíkur nætur minna mig ennþá á þig Í reyðin kjól í röð á staðnum sem við hittumst fyrir Osk and Dancing Lonely, 
Glamour there or Danza in Icelandic. And we will finish uh, the roundup of the songs that were selected last Saturday with celebs and Doomsday Dancing or Domsdag Dance. And this was the song that the competition committee decided ought to go forward to the final as well. This, as you will maybe remember, was one of the songs from the first Song for Kepnin semi-final. Listening to the Roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is/english.